This is an AMI podcast. You're listening to the Kitchen Confession Podcast with Chef Mary Mammoliti. So um, there's always been, you know, a lot of people have talked about, you know, how olive oil is so good to use in recipes. I wanted to impress a friend. They were spending the night and they were asleep and I was going to surprise them by making pancakes from scratch. I decided to use the oil. <laughs> so I put the oil in the pan sorry, and I waited I'm for laughing. it to <laughs> so I waited for it to sizzle and of course it didn't sizzle, it went poof. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm yelling, fire, fire! <laughs> it was a very rude awakening for my friend. That's Barb Hazen. When she was diagnosed with celiac disease, she had to convert to a completely gluten-free lifestyle. On today's show, she's going to help us understand the difference between celiac disease and the fat gluten-free diets that so many have converted to in search of a healthier lifestyle. But is it really? Why do some convert to a gluten-free lifestyle if they don't have a gluten intolerance? Well, Barb helps shed some light on what it's like living and eating with celiac disease. She shares recipes and tips to converting family favorite recipes into gluten-free versions. This is Kitchen Confession, and I'm Mary Mammoliti. Barb, tell me more about the magical things that make up Barb Hazen. Oh, boy. (laughs) All right. Well, I was born visually impaired and um, attended the W. Ross McDonald School for the Blind in Brantford for 12 years, Um, went to Brock University for two years, um, trying to get a degree in child studies, Mm -hmm. and then I couldn't complete my degree because um, I was trying to take a statistics course in my second year. And I couldn't take the psychology stats or the math stats because they were too visual. So I took the sociology stats course, but 60% of the coursework was using the mainframe computer of the university to do a data analysis study. And because I couldn't see the computer, and this was in the 80s when there was no speech, I couldn't do it. And because it was a prerequisite to two third year courses, I could not complete my degree. Mm-hmm. So, I was liv- so I was living off campus at the time, and um, the lady I was living with suggested that since I really enjoy massaging people and making people feel better, why don't I go to school and get paid for it? And so I did. So I went to massage training um in Sutton, Ontario, and then became a registered massage therapist and owned my own business for 24 years and worked in all different places and all different kinds of facilities. And then my hands all swelled up, so I had to retire. So now I'm retired and I do lots of volunteer work, enjoy walking with my dog, I knit, I collect Avon bottles, and I love to cook. <gasps> Music to my ears cooking (laughs) is that an okay enough synopsis that is phenomenal not okay it's phenomenal that leads us to our games okay so the first game we're gonna play is called this or that the choice is yours you can get with this or you can get with that ready yes salty or sweet sweet popcorn or chips chips books or ebooks uh depends 
I like I like audio books. Yeah, that's me. We'll say that that's an ebook. All right. Because I do the audio as well. Okay. But if I'm doing recipes, I want a Braille book oh. because I'm a Braille reader. So um, I get a lot of my recipes online. But if I'm going to cook it, I don't want to have messy fingers on my keyboard. So I use my Braille printer and print it out. And then I can also take it with me into the kitchen. And I know that if I ruin the page, then it's just one page and I can reprint it. Do you have any Braille cookbooks? Yes. Yes, um, the CNIB produces a Canadian Living Cookbook in Braille, and I love it. Um, and I also have some really old Braille cookbooks. There was one that I was given at school. I think it was called the I Hate to Cookbook. But the problem with Braille is that it's very big and bulky. So the majority of my recipes I get online, I have these really neat groups that I'm a part of that do all sorts of recipes. There's a wonderful group called Cooking Friends, and it's great because it's mostly composed of blind cooks from all over the place and we share lots of recipes and tips and techniques and different adaptive kitchen technology and anything else that's of interest and it's absolutely wonderful oh that sounds great i may have to join that you should absolutely sounds like fun all right toothpaste do you squeeze the toothpaste container from the middle or from the bottom uh the middle and do you prefer berries or grapes? Berries. How about chicken? Chicken breast or thigh? Both. Oh. <laughs> Maybe both. Equally. <laughs> now, do you prefer cooking with a cast iron or ceramic? Ceramic. Clear water or sparkling water? Sparkling. Dry rub or marinade? Marinade. Crock pot or instant pot? Crock pot. Okay. Crock pot. I do enjoy my crock pot as well, especially in the winter. I love my crock pot. I have, I think I have three of them and I am looking into getting an instant pot. The um, consensus is that it is accessible and not bad to use, but it's just one more gadget in my little galley kitchen. So I have to really be careful about counter space. True. I've been debating as well in order to invest in an instant pot um, as well as TFL has this air fryer. I think I have one of those, but you're going to laugh at me. Are you ready for okay. this? <laughs> I haven't used it for cooking. I've used it for heating my stones because I do hot stone therapy as part of my <laughs> massage therapy. <laughs> you use the air fryer for that? <laughs> yes. That's phenomenal. <laughs> T-Fal, if you're listening, <laughs> it does more than just air fry. <laughs> exactly. Yes. Yes, exactly. We were talking a bit about cooking and your, your joy of cooking and you love uh, creating dishes. Um, also, you okay. mentioned that you were diagnosed with celiac disease. Yes. In 2016, I was just about to have my first carpal tunnel surgery on my left hand and the Friday before my surgery, I was diagnosed with celiac disease, which is a disease of the um, intestines. And it means that my body doesn't absorb things as well, maybe as everybody else. And so in order to um, precipitate that and make everything better, I have to go on a completely gluten-free diet, which means no wheat in anything and it is amazing the products that have wheat in them that you would never think of oh I know I can imagine and was this was this something that 
you noticed the symptoms? Uh, was it something you noticed about yourself? And that's what prompted you to go get a, a blood test done for celiac disease? Well, no, actually, it started because my iron was really low. And Interesting. I had no idea. Yeah, I had no idea what was wrong. But um, my iron was so low that every time I sat down in the chair to listen to a book or to knit, I would fall asleep. And I had no energy at all. So I went to the doctor and they gave me some iron pills after blood work. And they found out that it was low, but the pills weren't doing it. So they sent me to a specialist. Specialist did a colonoscopy and an endoscopy where they put tubes down and up sort of through both mm-hmm. ends. And <laughs> doesn't and, sound like fun. Um, the results were... <laughs> It wasn't, no. <laughs> and the results were inconclusive. So then there is actually a blood test for celiac disease. And they gave me to that, unbeknownst to me. I, they didn't tell me. They just sent me for this stuff. And that's when they got the results. And they told me that I was celiac. And I'd heard of it. I have a couple of friends that are celiac. Mm-hmm. And so it wasn't completely um, unfamiliar. But, I mean, it it so changed my life because everything now is so dictated by what I eat mm-hmm. and how I eat and where and when I eat too. Because if I go to a restaurant, I have to be careful, you know, if they have things that I can eat. Um, <clears throat> and even if I'm home, you know, a, a regular loaf of bread that you might find in a grocery store, if you look around, you can probably find it on sale for a dollar ninety nine. Mm-hmm. My bread, my bread is usually five ninety nine a loaf, and it's a smaller loaf. The it's about each size. Each slice is about the size of an English muffin or a piece of raisin bread. So it's a lot smaller surface area, and the bread itself is a lot more stiff. So it's not as easy to use it for sandwiches and stuff like that. And sometimes it crumbles. Right. Because it just doesn't have the gluten, which would stick it together. That's right. That's right. Well, you know, I mean, I bring this up because most people, I mean, nowadays, think of gluten as it's as sugar. So that, you know, don't have sugar, don't have gluten. It's not good for you. What's the disconnect that drives people towards a diet like gluten-free that they may not need? I think a lot of times people think that it's um, a trend. You know, it's the, you know, well thing to do. Um, and there are some instances where people can have a sensitivity to gluten, even though they've not been diagnosed as being celiac. Mm -hmm. But, um, other than that, I I would never wish a gluten-free diet on anybody that didn't have to have it. Right. I mean, and their mis, I mean, the way I see it is their misconception is that because it's gluten-free, it's healthier, which is not necessarily the case. No, it's not because um, my bread is actually less healthy than yours because yours has the opportunity to have things like whole wheat and all these other grains and seeds and stuff in it. And my bread doesn't or can't. And so therefore, my bread is actually less healthy and it has less fiber in it than yours. Very true. And a lot of people, honestly, they, they, they need to read the labels. Read your labels because even though it says gluten-free, that doesn't mean it's sugar-free. 
Oh, no. No, sugar and gluten are totally different. Sugar-free is, you know, sugar is a sugar. Exactly. And gluten is, is wheat. So gluten is a grain and sugar is a sugar. And it does make a difference. And for me, it's more difficult to being in the grocery store because, of course, being visually impaired, I have to rely on a staff member from the grocery store to read the label to me. And it's amazing. Um, actually, yesterday after we spoke, I went grocery shopping and the person that was helping me was supposed to be a staff member in their, quote, natural foods, quote, area. And he had no clue. And there were two items that had almost identical labels. One was gluten-free and one wasn't. He put them both in my cart. And then I specifically asked him to take them out and check them again. And that's when he noticed the difference. If I hadn't been on my toes and willing to ask him and just check and make sure, I would have come home with something. And the problem is that if I have gluten that I'm not supposed to have, Unlike a lot of other people, I have a reaction for three days. Oh, so I'm basically stuck at home. Yeah. So it's, it's, and it's nasty, you know. Um, it's unpleasant. I end up not, yeah, it, it really is. You know, I get bloating and gas and diarrhea and nausea and uh, lots and lots of pain. So it's, it's very unpleasant. It's debilitating and it's just nasty. Has this misconception? that everyone has actually helped further, you know, like the gluten-free bandwagon, let's say. Oh, absolutely. And I have to say a very big thank you to those people <laughs> that do just want to be part of the latest trend, <laughs> because what they've done is they have driven the market and made a lot more gluten-free products interesting to more people. And whether they need them totally or not, I'm happy that, you know, people are buying them because that makes it easier for me mm -hmm. and gives me more variety. Because, you know, even five years ago, there wasn't even half of the gluten-free products on the market that there is now. This is Kitchen Confession, and I'm Mary Mammolini. With me now is Barb Hazen, a massage therapist and possibly the next best ice cream aficionado. I hate to ask this. Was there a food pre-diagnosis of celiac disease that was your favorite food that you was your go-to? Oh, yes. I would have to say onion rings. Ah. I love onion rings, and I just um, really miss them. I know that there are recipes, and I have seen some gluten-free recipes for onion rings. But then the problem is that I have a galley kitchen. So I live in an apartment, and I don't have a lot of counter space. Mm -hmm. And in order to make my own onion rings, then I have to get out my deep fryer and use the, you know, fill it with the oil and go through all the steps and everything like that. And I also live on my own. So um, although my boyfriend comes to visit sometimes, and he would probably really enjoy the onion rings as well, it's just still, in my view, just not worth it for the amount of work that it would take to produce it. True. And I did, uh, there are onion rings that are battered with uh, quinoa which is wonderful. So my mission is going to be to find that for you. And send it yes. to me. And we're going to say, I'm going to send them to you. Oh, you're a sweetheart. Just send me some through the computer now. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't that be great? <laughs> oh, absolutely. You want a snack? Here it is. It's coming through the computer. What would be your favorite gluten-free adaptation recipe? Like something that you make that you've converted into gluten-free. Oh, my Christmas cookies. My Christmas cookies. 
Um, I make this wonderful Christmas cookie recipe. And actually, I got it from um, a, a book, sort of a cookbook slash mystery book. Um, and I think it's, I don't know, it's, it's by Joanna Fluke. Okay. And it's, they're called Christmas Cherry Slices. And I've adapted them in a couple of ways. Um, I make the cookies with my gluten-free flour. So it takes a little bit more flour than the normal recipe would. It takes longer to bake them than the recipe normally would. And the other thing is that the cookies are supposed to be ones that you put into rolls and put them in the fridge and then slice them. And I just find that not as easy to do. Mm -hmm. So... For me, it's easier to just, when it says to do that, I just roll them in small balls in my hands and flatten them and put them on the cookie sheet and bake them that way instead. Okay, yeah. Well, it works. Yeah, and the one recipe makes seven to eight dozen cookies. So it's great because they've got green and red cherries and nuts and they're wonderful to share. And it's like almost like a shortbread cookie base with all these other stuff in it. And I love it. And they look nice and they're great to share. And um, it's a really sort of flexible recipe because I find that recipes that are flexible like that are easier to switch. If you've got a really delicate type of recipe, then it's more difficult to switch up the flowers and change things. But this one is really adaptable and I, I just love it. Okay, we're on to rapid fire. We all try to eat healthy. What can't you resist on your cheat day? Ah, on my cheat day. Well, um, with the hot weather, all I can think about at the moment is ice cream. Yes, definitely. I love ice cream. What techniques or technique are you currently trying to master in the kitchen? Which one of many? <laughs> um, <laughs> um, I would love to feel comfortable peeling a pineapple mm. because I, yeah, yeah. And the other one that I really like, the I like a vegetable, but I find it very difficult to peel is turnip because of the waxy coating and that kind of mm-hmm. thing. So, yeah, those are the two that I think are my my biggest thing. And an omelet. I cannot make an omelet to to do anything with. I just I just have a very I can make the scrambled eggs and I can put all the stuff in it, but I find I have a very hard time flipping the thing. No, so I get it's that. Gluten free. Yeah, yeah. What's your favorite uh, go-to cookbook? Go-to cookbook? Um, probably the Canadian Living, um, the Cooking Friends List, and the other one I really like is the, um, oh, I forget what her name is, Jean Perron. She's a caterer, and um, so party cookbooks and different things like that. There's a dessert one and, a you know, everything that you, you want to know, a salad one and um, I forget what they're called, but they're they're wonderful. Um, what is your favorite, or who is your favorite chef? Oh dear, I really like Michael Smith. Mm-hmm. Um, I like his sort of you know no nonsense sort of cooking from home, and you know you can take whatever and and create whatever from it. Um, so I really like his sort of style of cooking. What culinary trend should disappear already? Probably olive oil. <laughs> <laughs> What are the most common mistakes in the kitchen? For me mm-hmm. or for, for you. everybody? For you. Spilling coffee? Mm-hmm. 
Um, actually, we went through, my boyfriend and I went through gl three glass coffee pots in one year because we knocked them off the counter and they broke. And so now we have a coffee pot that's all plastic. <laughs> There's, I was going to actually suggest a Keurig. <laughs> a Keurig it's really neat it's a coffee pot that's all plastic and you you actually um you put there's a lever on the front of it and you put your cup under the lever and then you push on the lever and the coffee goes down into your cup and that's perfect it's barb proof <laughs> yes exactly <laughs> so I asked this question to all my guests and I'm going to ask it to you now Justin Timberlake brought sexy back what would you bring back what would I bring back? I would bring back more of the love of hamburgers instead of steak. I'm not a steak person. I don't like steak. Mm. I'd rather have a hamburger. Yeah. So, um, you know, I would, I would love to see, you know, more stuff about hamburgers. And I mean, I know there's restaurants now that are all about the burger, but I would like to see even more. And, uh, yeah, and more sort of credit given to the humble burger instead of the yucky, juicy steak. Mm -hmm. Got it. <laughs> Got it. Was there ever a time where you cooked a meal and it didn't go quite as planned? <laughs> uh oh. <laughs> well, and my problem is that I, I, you know, you don't want to incriminate yourself, right? Um, but, but you we're know, sharing. there's always we're just sharing. Okay. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> so um, there's always been, you know, a lot of people have talked about, you know, how olive oil is so good to use in recipes in place of margarine or butter. And I've always heard about it, but, you know, haven't really been too interested in trying. So one morning when I was in massage training, I wanted to impress a friend. And I decided that they were spending the night and they were asleep. And I was going to surprise them by making pancakes from scratch. Mm -hmm. I decided to use the oil. <laughs> so I put the oil in the pan. I'm sorry, I waited for it to sizzle. And of course, it didn't sizzle. It went poof. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm yelling, fire, fire. <laughs> it was a very rude awakening for my friends. Um, I mean, I didn't do any damage, but um, I couldn't use the pot after that. That's <laughs> quite the, the alarm. <laughs> oh, yes, absolutely. And I decided that after that, I would go back to not using anything but what I'm familiar with. So I, it's safe to say you've never used olive oil to make pancakes again. <laughs> no, 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 absolutely not. No, no, no. Oh. I'm happy with what I'm familiar with and what I know, and I just don't want to even try again. Oh, that's great. That's too funny. <laughs> oh. Well, it's that time where I ask each guest to give me their kitchen confession. Ah, oh, what did I do? Oh, <laughs> uh, one New Year's Eve, a few years ago, we decided that we were going to have nachos. And that's fine, but we'd never really used my broiler before. And so that was fine. We got everything ready and everything on the chips and, you know, and, and we put them under the broiler. But when you use a broiler in your oven, I don't know whether a lot of people do this or not, but 
when you use a broiler, you're supposed to keep the oven door open a little bit. Mm-hmm. And, and I closed the oven door. I didn't realize that. And oh boy, did they burn. Oh, no. I had, I had black chips and cinders and uh, all sorts of things. And the smell was horrible. It set off the smoke alarm. No. And of course, that was the, that was the one that was supposed to be for my boyfriend. <laughs> <laughs> he was a very good sport about it. But yeah, it's <laughs> <laughs> that's the thing. Thank you so much for sharing that. <laughs> <laughs> I love to cook, but I'll tell you, it doesn't always go the way planned. And you that's know? the beauty it of really it. Does. It's because it doesn't. It's not, it's unpredictable at times. And, you know, out of mistakes, sometimes come some of the best meals. Have you had one that where it was actually a mistake, a, bl- a little bit of a blunder, but turned out to be a phenomenal meal? Um, Probably, um, I can't remember anything specific, but I think sometimes I, I, start by opening a can that's supposed to be one thing and it turns out to be something else. Mm-hmm. And then because I've opened that can, okay, now I have to use that. So how can I use it to make a meal? Uh, maybe not what I was planning, right? but I think the one time I was looking for cherry pie filling and when I opened the can, it was pork and beans. <laughs> So, um, yeah, just a little bit different. It probably wasn't going to go in my cheesecake. So instead (laughs) of a sweet dish, you're making a savory all of a sudden. Exactly. Yeah, I get that. Yeah, so it's using what you've got and what you've come up with to make the best meal possible. Okay, last one, word association. So I'll read a word, and then you just say the first word that comes to mind when you hear it. (laughs) All right. right. Okay, desserts. Ice cream. Whipped cream. Ice cream. <laughs> Coconut. Cream pie. I thought you were going to say ice cream. <laughs> Fruit. With cool weapons. <laughs> Honey. With anything and on anything. My dad was a beekeeper. <laughs> oh, that's phenomenal. Okay, sugar. Sugar and spice. And everything nice. Cinnamon. Cinnamon toast. Food. Hungry. <laughs> yogurt. Uh, frozen yogurt. <laughs> Barb, it's a hot day, and I know you're hot because out of all those questions, we kind of went back to ice yes, cream. Exactly. <laughs> well, I did tell you that it was my favorite thing. So. <laughs> True, and I can, you're a woman after my own heart because that is my week. That is kryptonite to me. Well, and. Ice cream is my well, kryptonite. Well, and I mean, I like frozen yogurt. You know, the neat thing about McDonald's is that they use frozen yogurt instead of ice cream in all their desserts. So it's a little bit better for you. At least we can tell ourselves that. Um, <laughs> sure, we can tell ourselves that. So, but yeah, no, I love ice cream and frozen yogurt and desserts. I, I do have a very big sweet tooth. And although I have to um, keep an eye on what kind or flavor of ice cream because of the gluten issue like I can't have your you know your brownie pieces or your cookies and cream or whatever but I can have heavenly hash and I can have maple walnut and I can have you know plain old vanilla and whatever else it's it's still good Mm -hmm. which sounds so good that I think I'm going to go to the corner store and get some right now (laughs) I've got ice cream in my freezer (laughs) Ah. <laughs> see too bad you're not my neighbor Barb would have popped over <laughs> and actually it's funny because 
um, I suppose I should tell you one more kitchen confession. I um, went to a store a few years ago and bought, I think it was an 11 liter pail of ice cream. And the funniest thing I remember is taking that pail out of my freezer, putting it on the counter, and my boyfriend and I each grabbing a spoon. <laughs> no, that's the best meal. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> well, thank you so much. Honestly, it's been a pleasure talking to you. I have, my face hurts from laughing. <laughs> laughing i can't even talk now look the last i can't even say my words <laughs> it's been wonderful it's to, been a lot of fun it's been an honor to be a part of this and i really appreciate you inviting me to come and join you it's that time we've reached the end of another show be sure to visit kitchenconfession.com for more recipes and foodie finds i'd like to thank producer and editor matt agnew and i'm mary Mamaliti. see you at the next episode